0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Last week, we heard the explosive news from Baycrest that 150 employees were shown the door in a mass firing because they allegedly participated in a huge benefits fraud scheme that bilked that institution by $5 million. Now, there was a similar problem at the TTC a few years back. And I think it's reasonable to assume that the same thing is happening elsewhere. We know that in the case of auto insurance, fraud is a huge issue and one of the main reasons that our auto insurance bills keep going up. So uh, this is a crime that hurts employers, it hurts taxpayers, and it hurts colleagues who use those benefits uh, honestly. And and I have to say, people, one of the things in the reporting of last week's story really, really struck me. And it was uh, an interview with one of the employees who was let go. And she said, well, she didn't think she was doing anything wrong because she paid more in, presumably, in her co-payments than she took out. A certain sense of entitlement. I mean, it's insurance. You're supposed to use it if you need it. I mean, those of us who pay house insurance, you know, we pay in a lot more than we take out, hopefully. Who wants to have to claim that stuff? Uh, so I just want to hear from people, you know, do you think that doing this is is somehow okay? Do you think that you're entitled to what you pay in, even if you don't need the benefit. So uh, I, I want to hear from you on this. The number is 416 toll free 1- 866 740 740 And right now we are going to Shannon Leonardo, who is the Director of Anti-Fraud and Electronic Claims at the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association, and Ryan Conlon, who is a partner at Stringer LLP. Hello. Thank you. Welcome to you both. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Shannon, let's start with you. You represent uh, uh, the, the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association. How big a problem is this in general? Well, um, thank you for having me on. I do want to be
1: able to share some some great stories at the CLHA projects that we're working on. The concern is that you know fraud is extremely widespread as an industry. Uh, we're hard pressed. To, to give you a, a number on how many dollars are lost each year to fraud. And that's simply because, just by design, it's designed to go undetected, fraud is. But we, as an industry, um, estimate that hundreds of millions of dollars annually are being lost to fraud.
0: Uh-huh. And uh, what... Does it take? Is it? I mean, you know, it's sort of. Uh, is the main thing that's required a fake receipt from a healthcare provider? Well, fraud is uh, when you submit
1: a receipt for services that weren't rendered with the with the intention of misrepresentation. So there's fraud and there's abuse. So fraud is misrepresentation of your claims. So claiming for services not provided. Um, changing the amount so you're you're reimbursed for eighty percent, upping it so that you actually get a hundred percent back. Abuse, which is equally damaging to the sustainability of our benefit plans, is when you're using all of your entitlement, whether or not it's medically necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, you know that that kind of thing. You you see it in other areas. For instance, uh, you know there was a whole thing about. Uh, Teachers and their sick day allotments, and they believe they're entitled to that time. Uh, and there's lots of calling in sick in June, and there was an issue that people were, uh, when they retired, claiming their unused sick days. I mean, it, it, do you see a parallel with that kind of thing? Well, I think
1: that there, you know, there's people who naively get involved in fraud, there are those people who think they have a sense of entitlement. I think, you know, through our research, we were able to determine kind of, you know, the main reasons why people get involved in fraud. And, um, you know, one of them is financial um, need that will cause people to... Um, they they really view it as a victimless crime. They don't see that they're hurting anybody, and they're encouraged to by others. So in our research, those were the top three reasons that we saw people... Um, Doing, committing benefit fraud.
0: Okay. I'd like to bring in Ryan Conlon. Hi, Ryan. Hello. So how big do you think this uh, problem is and, and uh, what kind of drives it?
2: Uh, what I, th- I think just building on uh, what's already been said I mean I think it's a huge problem I think we're clear that we already have seen two very large uh, institutional employers here in the city of Toronto be uh, uh, targeted by these type of uh, by, by these type of schemes and it seems to be a uh, growing situation and in, in my experience dealing with employees who commit benefit fraud whether it's one of these large-scale schemes, and we have to forget that not all of them are like this. Some of these are sort of one-off people, either faking receipts or uh, and such. It's not always involving unscrupulous. Uh medical providers, but uh, uh, in any event, I think that there's a perception that it's a victimless crime. They look at it as something like taking an extra bottle of liquor back across the border or or something along those lines. People don't, I think, really realize that not only is it something that could cost them their job, it could cost them their professional standing, uh, and it could, in fact, have them end up in court in a criminal charge.
0: Okay. uh, So, um, one of the things that I gathered about it is that... uh, one of the reasons that maybe some providers are willing to participate is that, you know, the the a lot of times the onus is more on the employee that when they get busted, it's the employee that pays the price. Is that right?
2: Well, I mean, I think that, there's a, that there may very well be a perception out there on the part of unscrupulous operators, but certainly those uh, unscrupulous operators can be the target of uh, uh, can be the target of police investigations as well. Uh, I think it's just from the perspective of the unscrupulous operators, what attracts them to it is that there's obviously, as we've seen with this scheme, huge amounts of money to be made, uh, and apparently it very well may be a perception that the risk of being caught is pretty low.
0: No, it. it You know, I I don't want to dwell on the Baycrest situation. I do want to point out that that particular plan, because it's in healthcare, is 75% funded, uh, you know, by taxpayers. So all of us were bilked in that one. But I saw that there was one person who, uh, you know, scammed $100,000 worth of benefits. And I'm thinking, like, who even has $100,000 worth of benefits? It was over a number of years, but that's an awful lot.
2: It's, it's it's it see do, it does seem like an an, an incredible uh, amount, particularly for the uh, nature of the uh, services that were at issue in the uh, at issue in the Bacons case. That's a lot of orthotics for a hundred thousand dollars. I would imagine. Huh. Well,
0: well, exactly. And most plans, I th- I think that uh, our plan allows you to get new orthotics every couple of years, and it, it they max out uh, the reimbursement at a couple of hundred bucks. I mean, I don't know how you get to a hundred thousand with that.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 I think that's where, as I'm, as I'm sure uh, your other guests can comment, that's where good audit practices come in to uh, prevent, to identify these kind of red flags. And once, you know, someone who with $100,000 worth of bogus claims are identified, that's where you can then ultimately often lead to other people, which is usually ringleaders for these things.
0: Uh, Shannon, so uh, again, so how, how important is the audit process? And are there things that, that raise red flags when, when you submit claims?
1: So uh, you know, the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association ourselves, we're we're um, looking more at policy operationally. That's the focus of our member companies, the actual life and health insurance companies. But I can tell you that every one of our member companies have invested and continue to invest heavily in technology and resources to detect fraud, and that and so they'll have, um, you know situations, issues that they they have in their systems that will raise a flag. So if someone is, you know, providers claiming for an impossible day, so they put in claims for 16 hours, and we know they can only work for eight hours. So there's certain things that will trigger our member companies to conduct an audit. And we do know that that they do have larger investigation and audit teams now than they used to have, because this is a problem that's growing and, and has come to their attention. So,
0: mm-hmm. and, and that also costs all of us. There was of course that big case at Baycrest last week, $5 million defrauded from that institution or their benefits provider over a period of about eight years. Uh, You know, a lot of it, false receipts for things like orthotics. Who knew it could add up like that? Uh, but there is a whole other issue of abuse. Now, I want to give the numbers out again. I want to hear from you on this. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 and... We are on the line with Shannon DeLonardo, the Director of Anti Fraud and Electronic Claims at the Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association, and Ryan Conlon, a partner at Stringer LLP. So let's talk about abuse on this whole issue. You know, we've all heard so many ads from lawyers who are saying, you know, if you're long-term disability claim was denied. We will represent you and get you what you owed. But we know that fraud in that area is huge. So uh, Ryan, let's start with, with you. How, how big an issue is that?
2: oh i think it's an- i i think it's a, it's an incredibly significant issue i i think that it it's, we're just sort of touching the sort of just sort of touching the uh, uh the the iceberg on it there's a a lot there i've seen over my career a number of cases where uh individuals are uh abusing benefits be they workers' compensation benefits through the government or private uh or private insurance uh uh through their employer i think it's uh, i think it's a far bigger problem than most uh employers realize Uh, Particularly in the public sector where there are more generous benefit plans available.
0: Well, uh, you know, there there are certain uh, health issues that are really uh, difficult, you know, like back problems um stress leave, those kinds of things. And uh, there are some doctors, I mean, I've gone online and looked up and some doctors in their reviews, they say, oh, this person always believes their patient. So how much of a problem is that It's it's too easy to get doctor's notes? Is that part of the problem?
2: Yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I think it certainly is, and it's it got to the point where even some labor arbitrators have said that they that, that when they are evaluating doctors' notes, that they recognize that in many cases, family doctors are, in many in most cases, in good faith, but are are advocating for their patients. So they're so, so what what's on a doctor's note is not uh, necessarily the be all and the end all of any kind of legal determination uh, of whether someone is abusing or is properly entitled to benefits or not.
0: Mm-hmm. And if it's a, a, a GP, I mean, they don't necessarily have expertise in everything.
2: Well, well no, no, they certainly, certainly, they, they certainly don't. Nor do they have access to the workplace, and they're hearing one side of the story, right?
0: Right, Shannon Delonardo, what's your take on this? Well, I think that from our research that
1: we did while we were putting together our education awareness campaign, um, the big, big message we saw was that seventy-five percent of Canadians incorrectly believe that the only punishment for committing benefit fraud or abuse is having to pay higher premiums or to pay back um, what you were incorrectly paid. So I think that type of um, misunderstanding leads to increased fraud and abuse in benefit plans. So that's why as an industry we wanted to work on a campaign to educate consumers about what the consequences are.
0: Okay, let's take a call from Barry in North York, Hi Barry.
1: Hi. I just want to say three things. Number one, a it's dishonest. B, it's not a victimless crime like you said because it means the insurance premiums go up. And three, I would like to commend the people who organization whoever it is that found this out. Good for them.
0: It, yeah, it was the
1: auditors. The dishonesty
0: nowadays. Yep. Thanks Barry. Appreciate oh, okay. that. You're welcome. Okay. okay. Uh uh, Ryan, I'd like to pick up on something that Shannon said. So uh, with this, uh, you know, long-term disability, if somebody is found to m- have made a fraudulent claim, are they subject to criminal prosecution or what happens there?
2: Well, there, there's, a, there's a number of things that can happen. First of all, they can be terminated, have, have their employment terminated for just cause without notice. Uh, so they would lose their job. So they would lose their job without any severance compensation. Number two, they can be sued to pay back civilly, uh, to pay back the value of the benefits that they were improperly took. And thirdly, they could face uh, charges under the criminal code for fraud. Um, and if they are a registered professional, like some of the people at Baycrest, where they could face consequences with their professional regulator, such as the College of Nurses.
0: Okay, uh, but in practice, does that ever really happen? And what happens if there is a, you know, a doctor's note done in good faith?
2: Well, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say that cases that are prosecuted criminally, and there are some examples, there were some that came out of the TTC case, uh, usually are the most flagrant because certainly, to, because to get a criminal charge has to be proven, of course, beyond a reasonable doubt. So, I think it's fair to say that the most flagrant, it'll be the most flagrant ones uh, that end up in criminal court, but certainly. Uh, ter- termination of employment. We certainly know that it. Uh, we, we certainly know that it. Uh, we certainly know that it happens more commonly in situations like Baycrest, where it's fairly flagrant fraud. Cases involving fake long-term disability happens, but it's ordinarily when it's actually provable fraud, as opposed to being a, a civil dispute about the, the extent of an injury.
0: Mm-hmm. Shannon. Hey. Um. So you're you're having a, uh, you know, a public awareness campaign, yeah. but uh, so what are the, the consequences of that type of fraud in terms of the employer? Imagine it costs a lot of money.
1: It does cost a lot of money. And, and one of the risks is definitely around the sustainability of benefit plans or having to pay increased premiums to yourself as an employee to cover your plans. But what we really wanted to drive home was the seriousness. And it could, you could not. You could end up losing your benefit plans altogether. You could end up losing your job or you could end up, um, as as Ryan was suggesting, with in a criminal situation. We're, we're currently, in our campaign, educating Canadian consumers about the impacts, the consequences of, of benefit fraud, but as our program evolves in time, we also want to branch out and educate providers as well, so that they understand the consequences.
0: Well, uh, does, this, does that ever happen, that somebody, uh, you know, loses their benefits but keeps their jobs? Have you ever heard of a case like that, Ryan?
2: Uh, there are very few cases. There are some that are out there, the odd case out there where someone uh, has committed some type of benefit fraud and, ha- and been reinstated. There's not Many of those kind of cases out there, and usually those are cases where it's fairly low value, uh, a long-service employee with no other record of uh, dishonesty, and, and the person usually readily admits it right away, fully cooperates with the investigation, but that's, uh, that's the exception rather than the rule.
0: hmm uh so what what are the most usual uh remedies it's it's uh, job loss usually right
2: yeah the, the, yeah usually it's, it's it's termination for cause, which in a unionized environment uh uh the union would have the right to challenge before a private judge called an arbitrator but I mean at the end of the day most grievances are dismissed where someone has been terminated for fraud uh provided i mean provided of course that, uh, you, that that like like offenses have been treated in the same manner by the employer
0: mm-hmm. uh, and again in the legal industry i don't I don't know if we just hear all the ads uh it's it, it would seem there are a lot of cases like this because there seem to be a lot of lawyers who specialize in fighting uh you know denied long-term disability
2: i can't seem to turn on the radio without hearing an ad for one so i suppose there's <laughs> a fairly robust legal market for it
0: uh right and um do you have uh, any information on how many cases how most of them turn out
2: i, I can't speak to them uh, i i can't speak to them uh statistically, I don't have those facts, but certainly there are a significant number of litigation cases involving employees and entitlement uh, to benefits, which you, which, I mean, there's a lot of complicated legal issues surrounding it, but usually ends up with both the employer and the uh, insurance company, either in court or in, a, in the employer's case, sometimes before an arbitrator.
0: Okay. Um, we are starting to run out of time on this. Shannon DeLinardo, what would you like to leave us with? I'd like to, to leave your listeners with um, the piece of information that if they suspect
1: that somebody they know is involved in fraud or there's a provider that they know is involved with fraud, that as an industry, we've created a website. It has a ton of informational uh, material around benefit fraud, but it also has a report button. And that would allow consumers to send a message to one or all of our member companies to write to their fraud department. Um, it's anonymous. We don't see it, uh, so it can give you any numbers on it. But it's a great tool for people to report fraud and start working together because that's key. We have to work together to to stop benefit fraud. So our website is fraud is fraudisfraud.ca, and right on the top there's a big red button that says Report Fraud. So I would encourage
0: people to go on, read about benefit fraud, and report if they know of it. And uh, Ryan Conlon, what would you like to leave us with?
2: Uh, last thing I'd like to leave us with is just to hope that to counter the perception that perhaps historically uh, there may have been an attitude around workplaces that this type of behavior was acceptable or would not uh, result in severe sanctions. If that was ever the case, I think the Baycrest example shows that uh, at bare minimum, if you're caught doing this, you're going to lose your job, uh, and you could also have many other consequences that flow from it. So don't do it.
0: Okay, well, uh, I hope that uh, this big story at Baycrest is a a wake-up call. And thank you both for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.